You are listening to the Phenom NBA Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network. Powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. And we're back with episode three of the Rich Takes Show. I'm your host, Shane Rich, alongside NBA expert and my partner, Richard Duma. Richard, how are we doing following Christmas break? I'm doing absolutely great. I hope everybody had a happy holiday. You know, Christmas just rolled around and now we're getting to the point where 2020 is almost over, got a new year 2021 about to happen, and a new year means another year of basketball, another calendar year of that, and we're going to be covering NBA today, and I'm very excited for that. Awesome. Yeah, well, today we're not going to go, um, you know, in-depth about specific games just because there's been however many games this past week. We're going to run down a lot of, you know, the most recent news around the association, everything that's been going on, players that we think have been phenomenal thus far, guys like DeMonte Sabonis, Nikola Jokic, Trey Young, and then the injuries that we've seen, Spencer Dinwiddie, John Moran, um, and the blowouts. And that's where actually where I want to start, Richard. We saw last night, primetime game, Bucks take on the Heat, rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. Bucks beat the Heat by 47, and not only that, they set the all-time record for threes made in the game with 29. What were your initial thoughts and analysis following the Bucks' dominant win? With a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, I did not expect them to break the three-point record against the Miami Heat. Let me get this straight, even without Jimmy Butler. Yeah. But I think the absence of Jimmy Butler, obviously the Heat's best player and arguably a top 15, maybe even 10 player in the NBA – that's a huge loss for the Miami Heat, and especially against the Bucks team. You can't really afford to lose your top guy. Obviously, a regular season game, not the playoffs. You know, stakes aren't as high as they were in the bubble by far. In fact, on the Bucks, everybody except Giannis, who had nine points, made a three, and they still won by 47. So it's a very impressive win by the Bucks, and it says a lot about the Bucks and that they can shoot the ball. But here's the deal with this game. I think it says a lot more about how good the Bucks are than how not as good as we thought the Heat will be. Because everybody's – it's becoming a trend now to say that the Heat were bubble frauds. A lot of people are saying it was a fluke and whatnot. And I don't think this game is a fair evaluation. They didn't have their top guy. They didn't have Jimmy Butler. And yeah. the, Heat, the whole entire core is basically Jimmy Butler with Bam Adebayo holding down the paint. So that's really – this game, I don't think it says much about the Heat, but it does say that the Bucks can still be a dominant force in the league this year. So, I actually, there's a, there, I had a few takeaways about this game. The first was mostly about Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and how, you know, the script has been, or I guess he called the title of Chris Middleton, is that he's not a second option on any NBA team. And if you're a team that's contending and you want to win a championship, Giannis can't do it with Middleton as a second guy. And what I like about the Bucks is they said, screw that and F you guys because we're going to bring in Drew Holiday to bolster our defensive backcourt that's already dominant with Dante DiVincenzo. So they add that. So instead of having the element of a true second option, if Holiday and Middleton aren't – if one of the two aren't playing too well, you know, on a nightly basis, like let's just say one of them was having a slump game against the Heat, the other can step up. And that's what I like about this Bucks team opposed to last year is because – Obviously, Drew Holiday is a borderline all-star, as we've seen in the past few years. His defensive presence, he's an all-defensive NBA guy, right? He can score on the court. He can attack the basket. But when you add that 
now you have two guys that are second and kind of third options, which I really like. And going forward, the NBA, which I give them a lot of credit, they did something with their schedule this year where you'll play the same team in a homestand in three days. So, like, I know the Warriors, when they start their homestand in San Francisco, they play the Blazers and then they play them a day or two later. We saw it with the Celtics last night. They played the Pacers two games in a row. I think that's big, and it's almost like a baseball series that we see in the NBA. That first game is very important because it sets the tone going forward. So I think that the Bucks totally beat up on the Heat last night by 47. I think it shows a preview of tonight's game and what that may be. And we'll get to that later with our primetime picks. I know we're looking forward to that. But that says a lot about tonight's game, too. I think it does as well. And I think that what the Bucks are doing is what the Warriors tried to do, but the Bucks are doing it better. The Wiggins tried are try or the Warriors, not the Wiggins. The Warriors are trying to do a split kind of second guy option with Wiggins and Oubre. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bucks are doing it better with Giannis as their guy, likewise Curry, with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. So I think the Bucks are basically emulating what the Warriors are doing or whatever either either or who's emulating who. They both did it, and the Bucks are just um, doing it better. They're just executing better. They're playing a better brand of basketball than Golden State, in my opinion, right now. And moving on, we're going to get into some spotlight players, and the first guy we're going to be talking about is the Indiana Pacers power forward, first-time All-Star last season, DeMontis Sabonis. He's averaging 21.8 points per game, almost 22, 11 boards, 7.3 assists, 45.5 shooting from three, 54% clip from the field. So I have a question for you. Is Indiana a sleeper team in East to, you know, snag one of those top four seeds? I think top four is definitely a stretch just because we know the Bucks' identity, the Sixers' identity, the Heat's identity, and the Celtics' identity. I think the Heat, Bucks. Sixers and Celtics are probably my top four. I think the Raptors have totally fallen off of a cliff this, cliff this year. Excuse me. Um, I don't think top five, but I think in the East, because that five to eight slot, and especially with the playing tournament now, I think from that, I guess, five to nine or ten range, they're a massive sleeper. And I know some people, the experts, if you want to call them that, have the Pacers sitting at, you know, around the eight or nine seed, just getting in, just missing it. But let's be real. They're a better team than the Washington Wizards, and they're a better team than the Atlanta Hawks. They're better than those two teams. So from that standpoint of if you're one of those guys that are choosing the Wizards over the Pacers because you like Bradley Beal and Westbrook, even though they have no bench depth and they have very little talent on the wings, if you like them, you're clearly wrong because I I just think Indiana – And there's one issue with them, which I'm going to talk about real quick. It's that they don't have a true first option, if that makes sense. We think it's a bonus, but then there's nights where we think it's Malcolm Brogdon, but then you have Victor Oladipo, who clearly wants to be the guy. So I think it changes there. I I guess you would call them a sleeper, but definitely not a threat to anyone else. Or the, I guess you could call it the Mount Rushmore teams in the East. Malcolm Brogdon, I see where you're coming from. Malcolm Brogdon, in my opinion, is a very underrated player in the NBA. Yeah. Montes Sabonis looks like he's taking a huge jump. I think the wild card for the Pacers, can Victor Oladipo take another stride and come back, fully come back from his injuries that he's had the past few seasons? 
if Victor Oladipo can come back and have something even, you know, close mm-hmm. to his all-star caliber year that he had a couple years back, I think the Pacers can come very, very close to the Philadelphia 76ers in terms of regular season record and yep. possibly can do even better in the playoffs than the Sixers. Now, they're not going to pass the Bucs. We know that. We're not, they're not going to pass the Celtics. They're not going to pass the Heat. Philly, on the other hand, is a team with a point guard, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, that have been the exact same duo with basically the same skill sets. Say Joel Embiid, you know, involved, got better, which is true for the past however many years. At the same time, if they're the same, then they're going to get predictable. And if they get predictable, then they're going to be so much easier to scout, meaning teams are going to start handing them L's in the regular season in the playoffs, which is why they've had the same roster, Philly. They've had the same, you know, kind of game plan, the same strategy with Simmons and Embiid, and they've been on a decline these past few years because they've gotten older and Simmons hasn't learned how to shoot, and they're getting easier to figure out. So, honestly, if the Sixers keep dipping, the Pacers might be able to pass them. So, I, I need to say this real quick. I, I like to apologize. I totally blanked on the Nets. The Nets are the best team in the East. I don't know why I didn't come to conclusion with that. I think it's just because I believe the Nets are on another level from everyone else. They're in my Mount Rushmore for the East, obviously. Yeah. The top team. But alluding into what you're saying about the Sixers, I completely disagree. Just because of Doc Rivers and what Doc Rivers brings to this team, I understand how you're saying we have Embiid and Simmons and we know their identities. We know what they're used to. We know that Simmons is a playmaker and one of his only traits offensively is attacking the basket. I understand that. I know that with Embiid, he likes to get cute and shoot three sometimes and it doesn't always work, but he's a dominant force inside and he's a decent passing big man. However, we have to remember that it was a different coaching staff in the past and it was a way different, like total different organization how it was ran. You know, it, they were still in the midst of the process. They hit on picks with Embiid and Simmons. We thought those were their guys. And Elton Brand plummeted last offseason with acquiring Josh Richardson, which he totally shouldn't have done, although it seemed like an awesome pick. It didn't make sense because you already have guys like Simmons and Embiid, especially with the signing of Al Horford last offseason, which made no sense, right? Because we all know Simmons, a guy that can shoot, is still a playmaker. Still is a, he's still an excellent young NBA player. He's going to post up. That's one of his only offensive traits, right? And Bede's going to do the same thing as a true center. When you add Horford into a team like that, you have three guys that are posting up. It doesn't make sense because Josh Richardson wasn't ball dominant. Back to the point. This Sixers team is a lot different than they've been in the past. And I actually think it's simply because of coaching. What are you going to do? Simmons can still be the dominant ball handler on this team, right? We know that about him. And Bede's still going to play down low and man the paint. That's his job. That's always been his job. So what do you do? You surround them with shooters, right? And despite what anyone thinks of Danny Green following last year's finals and what he can do from three now, he's still an average shooter, and he's still known for his three-point shot and defensive hustle. So they bring that guy in. What do you do? Seth Curry, an awesome spot-up shooter, an awesome guy that can knock down shots. And you have Tobias Harris. You're not going to move him, right? Because people don't like what he has. People don't like his contract, but the Sixers do. And Doc Rivers had that with him in Los Angeles. I actually think Doc Rivers happened to really like his time with Tobias Harris in Los Angeles. So what do you do? You play 
Harris at the three or the four, depending on what you want to do with Sam and do you surround them with shooters. So I still like them in the East. I like them next year. My issue with them, my issue is Philly th- this season. I, th- I think they'll be great second half of the season. Having a new coach, like you said, they completely changed the way their franchises ran. They completely basically just cleaned house, got rid of the coach, bring Doc Rivers in. It is not easy in the first season, especially with such little time in the offseason, to come back and completely change everything. And I think that's where Philly is going to struggle with team chemistry and with the issues that come along with having a new coach and additions to a new roster. I think they'll be good second half of the season, but I think we're going to see bumps in the road during that first half, you know, first two-thirds of the way through the season, and which is why I think the Pacers can, you know, come close to them in the regular season record. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and we hit on the excellent performance of Embiid. I actually want to move that into the best center in basketball, Nikola Jokic. He's performed at a career level so far through, I think, four or five games this season. You know, just taking up his passing ability, better shot selection. Defensively, he's, an, he's a monster, averaging 25 a game, 14 assists, 12 rebounds, 40% from three, 62% from the field. He's been phenomenal this year. I think he's actually gapping the debate between the best center in basketball. It's clearly him. You know, and Jamal Murray's awesome. If anyone catched the Kings game last night against the Nuggets-Kings game, Michael Porter Jr. is clearly a third option for that team, and he's been awesome. I mean, his spot-up ability to knock down shots is crazy. That guy's jump shot is awesome. But Jokic is their guy. And Jokic is going to lead them far. Jokic makes them a contender. He's been spectacular thus far. I think he had about 18 assists last night, which for any big man in today's era, I know that, you know, the passing element for centers is a big part of their game now, but he's, he's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, what that guy does is crazy. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, easily the best center in basketball. You know, previous years it's been kind of like a three-way thing going with Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Jokic for the debate. But right now, especially since what he did in the playoffs last year, led him to the Western Conference Finals when they they came back from like two straight 3-1 leads, which is absolutely insane for the playoffs. You know, Jamal Murray did great. And that and that's before Michael Porter Jr. takes the big jump that is he's projected to take this year. Because yeah. Michael Porter Jr. has been looking amazing. He has so much potential. I think he can be a third option this year. And if you're a third option to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, two of the best players in the NBA, put Jamal Murray where you want. But Jokic, in my opinion, is like borderline top 10. Absolutely insane. Best center, Jamal Murray is a great point guard. Like I said, Michael Porter Jr., great option. Talking in circles, whatever. Top three, so good. You got, you got to mention it twice. So I think the Nuggets are a great yeah. team. They're definitely – a lot of people are sleeping on them in the West again for whatever reason. I think they can make another Western Conference Finals appearance. I think if the Lakers and Clippers go on that load management thing that's been starting, I think the Nuggets can take the first seed in the West, similar to what the Celtics did to the Cavs a couple of years back when the Cavs still made the finals, but Celtics held on to that regular season first mm-hmm. seed. I think the Nuggets can pull off a similar scenario, especially with such a talented and playoff experienced team that they have. Yeah. So what do you think? I just, I think moving forward with them, we know their identity. And although they lost Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, they're still a dominant team. I think they're going to expect a lot from, you know, draft picks and younger guys. 
Monte Morris is a true six man for them. I actually really like him. He he started in place of Jamal Murray last night, who was out. He's phenomenal. He had, I think, 24 points. He's an exceptional shooter. He can do a lot. P.J. Dozier is getting more minutes. I forget uh, – I don't want to mess up his name. The, the little um, – the international draft pick, Camp, Camponzo, Capazzo, I think. I, I'm totally blanking on his last name. He's fun to watch. He reminds me of like a Pablo Prigioni almost, Jose Calderon. Really awesome. Good ball handler. Just a quick guy. Good – Good intensity guy to have on your team. Gary Harris has only dropped as a player, as we've seen. He, he still has the ability to hit three-pointers. He's just not as efficient. Um, I'm still a big fan of Will Barton when he's healthy. I think he adds a scoring element that they need off the bench. And they brought Paul Millsap back on that you know cheaper deal from the $30 million he was making the year before. Efficient score, good in the paint, great team player. So I like them going forward. I like them as contenders. I love the Nuggets, too. And moving on, we have some undefeated teams. There's two undefeated teams. Now you expect. You got the Orlando Magic and the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks, of course, being led by Trey Young. Absolute offensive beast at the point guard position. 34 points per game. 7.3 assists, 4 rebounds on 53% shooting from the field. Absolutely incredible for Trey Young. You know, the Hawks, a lot of people have been hyping the Hawks up this offseason with pretty much the same core, but you got Trey Young and John Collins who are going to grow together. You got Clint Capello. Clint Capello is still relatively young. He's their center, you know, who kind of gets the boards and all that. And as for the Orlando Magic, you got Aaron Gordon. You got Markel Fulter. Some people are still thinking Markel Fultz can make another jump, and I really hope he does. Markel Fultz, it'll be disappointing if he gets picked first and doesn't pin out to who he was kind of meant to be, you know, for Philly who drafted him, and obviously they didn't work, so they sent him over to Orlando. Nikola Vucevic, obviously being that centerpiece for Orlando. Hopefully Jonathan Isaac can stay healthy, play that defense, be that defensive anchor that he's been his whole entire career. So what do you think about those two squads right there in the East? Well, to start with Orlando, I think they miss Jonathan Isaac's presence a lot defensively, as he'll be out the whole year. Um, Chumo Okiki, they drafted in the lottery la- – or no, not the lottery, mid-first round. Never got to see him last year, sent him down to the G League. In the glimpses we've seen of him, I actually really like him because I know at Auburn he was known for his defensive presence. Uh, he could knock down some shots just there. Like, I, I, re- I liked that draft pick a lot last year, and I hope the G League helped that guy. I think he's really good off the bench. Evan Fournier, his $18 million contract hurts them a lot. I think he's an efficient shooting guard when you need him. But the biggest storyline with them so far is Markel Fultz and how nicely he's come along. They tossed him. uh, The Sixers tossed him in, I think, one of Elton Brand's most horrific trades slash draft picks. It was for Jonathan Simon and a late first-round pick, a second-round pick. Just a terrible trade by Philly. Terrible trade by Elton Brand, but I expect nothing less from that guy. Um, but Markel Fultz has been awesome. I mean, he attacks the basket. He does everything you need him to. I actually like him in a small market team like Orlando, just because I think in a big city like Philadelphia, there's a lot you have to live by. And God knows what would be going on if he stuck around in Philly with Simmons and Embiid and Brett Brown coaching that team. I mean, that would have been horrific. So I'm very happy he's not there. But going over to the Hawks, the craziest part about Trey Young's season so far is he's averaging more, more points per game than minutes. I think he's averaging about 30, 31 minutes a game on 34 points. 
we know what he's made of. He's getting calls now, right? And he'll scream at the ref if he doesn't. I think he wants that respect of a superstar. I most certainly still don't think he's there yet at all because it, he has no defensive ability at all. Um, and that's what bothers me about this Atlanta team. They're, they look good so far, right? The additions of Gallinari and uh, Bogdanovich have really helped them. Rondo helps them a lot. Chris Dunn defensively helps them. But their defense to me is still the biggest question. I mean, you can't just rely on Capella, DeAndre Hunter, and Chris Dunn. You can't just rely on those guys for your defense. And I think that's what they've been doing. So I think they'll fall off a little bit. But, you know, we've seen the Wizards fall off completely. And who knows if the Magic stay like this. But Hawks are definitely a threat for that playing in and to get the 7 or 8 seed. I think they are too. And the Hawks, you know, they're not going to be a good defensive team. Especially, here's the deal. They're offensive superstars. And Trey Young and John Collins are going to take all those minutes away from those defensive pace, pieces yeah. coming off the bench in the rotation. You can't have more than five guys on the court at once. And you're not going to bench Trey Young. You're not going to bench John Collins. You're not going to bench Capella. And if you try to do that, you know, you're going to have a lack of offense for your defense coming in. And for the Hawks, you would rather have those offensive superstars in instead of those defensive rotational guys. And if you don't have the defensive rotational guys playing, you're not going to have much defense unless your superstars are on the bench. And when your offensive superstars on the bench, you're getting no scoring production either. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation for the Atlanta Hawks, but you're also winning because you still have the offensive firepower that you do have, and you're going to use it, and you're going to score buckets. I think that's what's going to happen for the Hawks. And as for Orlando, same kind of thing goes. They're in that situation where they're going to be a mediocre team in the East, you know, seven, eight, nine seed. They're going to possibly probably be in that play in tournament, which I'm still very excited to see a new addition established last year. So excited to see what the magic do excited to see if Vucevic gets any better. He's been doing great these past couple seasons sucks. Isaac's off for the year. He was so good on defense for Orlando. Hopefully he comes back next year, even better than ever. But as for the Magic, Markel Fultz looks like he's a lot better, for sure. And then the next game that we're moving on to, we said we're not going to go over very many games, but I can't really help to go over this. Like we mentioned earlier, Nikola Jokic part of the Nuggets team, and they played the Sacramento Kings without Jamal Murray. And the big guy that we're going to be focusing on this game is the Sacramento Kings rookie Tyrese Halliburton. What do you think about him and the Sacramento Kings? Well, watching that game last night, I was just amazed by the Kings' ability to move the ball and create plays offensively. I mean, Rashawn Holmes, I think, had 20 points last night and was totally going at Jokic. He would do they – would, they would find a way to get it to him in the paint almost, and he'd flick it up from like three feet away, and he would just nail those shots down. You brought up Halliburton, and I, I really want to talk about him because he's been one of the three best rookies to me thus far. I mean, 10 points, five rebounds, 50% from three, 56% from the field. Definitely a rookie of the year sleeper like you've talked about with me, Richard. Um, but last night he was just fun to watch. He was sleek with plays. He moves the ball around. I mean, he gets cute at times like a rookie would with the behind-the-back passes and spinning around. But – Overall, yeah. he's a great basketball player. What I really liked about this Kings team is, and I'm shocked Luke Walton, you know, woke up and realized, hey, you know what? In crunch time, this is an awesome lineup. 
Go with the three guards, Fox, Buddy Heald, and Halliburton. That's so awesome. Last night watching that game, and look, I know Jamal Murray not being there in his presence may have a lot to do with last night's loss, but the Kings looked so good. And Fox looked so good with those two guys. And who knows what they're going to do going forward with Fox and Heald. I mean, their names always tossed around, I feel like, in the trade market. And Halliburton could be their guy going forward, but he's, he's so fun to watch. For sure. And if I'm the Sacramento Kings, I didn't watch this game, but looking at highlights and looking at film, the Kings just seem like a fun, quick team. Mm-hmm. If I'm a Kings fan, I don't know how many Kings fans there are considering there are other powerhouses in California, like your Warriors, the Lakers, and the Clippers down in L.A. But, hey, if you're a Kings fan, I'm pretty happy for a future. Mm-hmm. Probably still not going to have the greatest record this year, probably not make the playoffs. But, you know, you got De'Aaron Fox. You've got young guys like him, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, of course, Rookie of the Year sleeper, like we both agree on. And they still have Marvin Bagley. Now, I don't know. It, they still do have Marvin Bagley, correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure they didn't get rid of him and I didn't know about it. They still have Marvin Bagley, second pick in the draft. Everybody's really low on him. They kind of tossed him away as – NBA famouses around the world have kind of said, eh, Marvin Bagley, bust, whatever. Marvin Bagley, man, if he, he can step it up, that that's kind of dangerous. You got Fox, Bagley, Heald, Halliburton. That is really solid. That and is really Bagley, solid. And Bagley. Mm-hmm. And, and Bagley last night was awesome. I In the 23 minutes he played, had about 18 points. Um, he's developed a three-point shot, too, which I really like for him going forward. And I think – Bagley wasn't in for crunch time last night, but if they can figure out a way to put Fox, Buddy Heald, Halliburton, Bagley, and maybe Barnes on the floor at the same time, I think that's awesome. Like, that's a fun, small ball, fast, in-your-face, you know, quick plays, transition plays lineup. And I, I, I think that's an awesome lineup going forward for them. That screams Golden State, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Just super, yeah. just super, super fast. Super quick, pretty small. It's like it's like a a pre KD Warriors almost with Harrison Barnes, you know, in there. That kind of was what reminded me of Harrison Barnes. Kind of said, you know what? Kind of reminds me of the Golden State Warriors a little bit. Obviously, not as good as the Warriors without Stephen Curry, but you know they're pretty small lineup and they're pretty quick. Yeah. So that's where I got the you know um, the Warriors comparison from maybe even like 2014, 2015 those days. And so Kings versus Nuggets mainly about the Kings. Very excited for that young core to see what they can do in the future. Now, the next topic coming up is the Los Angeles Clippers. Pandemic P leading the Clippers to a 51-point loss to the Mavericks. Now, they didn't have Kawhi Leonard, but 51 points? 51? I know it's a regular season game. I know you don't have Kawhi Leonard, but losing by 51 isn't a good look by any team, and that's going to affect you psychologically for games to come, and it's going to take a while to get out of that mental barrier. Like, you go into that next game as a Clipper, and you say, we just lost by 50. We just let a team play against us and beat us by 50 points. What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm actually not worried at all, as crazy as that may sound, just because they're – They don't have their best guy. And we know that, I mean, clearly Paul George is a top 15 guy in the NBA, but he certainly can't lead a team. And they're desperate for Kawhi. And although he's a quiet leader out there, uh, no pun intended, but I, I, he just, the the element he brings to that team, it, 
it, it's totally different. And it's another, obviously, their best scorer out there, their best playmaker. He does so much for them. And I think – I just think it was a sloppy game. I think they're, they're tired from Christmas. I, it was a random Sunday game on NBA TV. <laughs> I, I'm just not really worried because I know going forward with Kawhi and when everyone's healthy on this Clippers team, they're all ready to play. Nothing to worry about with them. I, I'm not really – oh, sorry. No, you go. Okay. I'm not really worried about them in the long term. I should have been more clear and concise to what my point was. I'm just saying for these, these next couple games, psychologically you lost by 50 points, Kawhi back or not. I, I still think they're going to get back into it. I think they're going to definitely be way, way back by playoff time. By the playoffs, they're going to, like, let it go. But for these next couple games, it's going to be rough on the Clippers for sure. Yeah, and I just – maybe going forward, but they're still a top three team in the West, probably the Lakers' biggest threat coming out of the Western Conference. And moving on, our rich takes of the week. We're excited about this one. Some bold takes. Um, you know, what we've said in the past – Kind of bitten us, not going to lie. I mean, my Wiggins take after last night probably coming back to haunt me, which I'm fine as a Warriors fan. I want that to happen. I want Wiggins to do well. I want him to flourish in Steve Kerr's offensive system alongside Curry. I'm going to start with a team we haven't talked about today, and that's the Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards are 0-4 so far to start. Bradley and Beal – or Bradley and Beal, wow, excuse me. Bradley Beal looks good so far at the top of the league in scoring, had 29 last night against the Bulls. Westbrook, two triple-doubles in his first game as a Wizard. That's the first NBA player ever to have back-to-back triple-doubles to start a season. Here's my take, and you guys can, you know, pick the flavor of how hot you, how hot you think it is. They have two easy games coming up against the Bulls, although they just lost to them, and the Timberwolves. I think that they beat the Bulls and they beat the Timberwolves to get themselves to two and four, kind of ease the way, but then go on a six-game losing streak and start two and ten on the year. And although that may sound crazy, I'm just going to read who they play in that six-game stretch. The Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics, the Miami Heat, the Phoenix Suns, and the Utah Jazz. L. <laughs> Those six games, I don't see the Wizards pulling away. Westbrook can have all the triple-doubles he wants. Bradley Beal can have all the 30-point games he wants. Davies Bertans can hit five threes. I don't think they win any of those six games, resulting in a sloppy start affecting them in the playoff race. I think that's going to happen, too. And Wizards fans are going to panic. They're going to win those next two games and be like, okay, we're kind of back. And they're going to lose the next six. And I think the whole fan base is just going to want to get, get rid of Westbrook. Because I don't know – I haven't met many Wizards fans, but I'd imagine they love Bradley Beal, their top scorer, who's been kind of carrying the franchise this last year since John Wall has been gone with injuries. Now permanently gone in Houston now with James Harden. So – I think the Wizards are going to want to just dump Westbrook. I don't know how many people wanted to get rid of him as soon as he got there, but if they lose those next six games, they're going to be like, okay, we suck. We're done, which is honestly going to be most of the NBA's response if they go on a six-game losing streak. I don't think that's a very hot take myself. Now, I wouldn't have really looked at it and thought of it, but now that you've said it, it's kind of a thing where Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. 
It really does. And unless some kind of terrible injury happens, hate injuries, I can see them going on that six-game losing streak, which isn't very un- – you know, six games may seem like a lot, but if you really look at the schedule, take it game by game, it doesn't seem too ridiculous. Yeah. And my take of the week is going to have to do with the Mavericks-Hornets game tonight. Now, we know the Charlotte Hornets don't really have great perimeter, you know, defense at the guard position. You know, obviously they do have um, LaMelo Ball. You know, they have Devontae Graham. But Terry and Terry Rozier. Luka Doncic is a guy in the Mavericks who's very good at basketball. And since he's so good at this whole basketball thing, and since he's in the NBA as one of the top guys in the league, and he's playing a Charlotte Hornets team, which isn't very good, I'm going to say he goes, drops a casual 50 tonight. Why? Because they're playing the Hornets, and he's Luka Doncic. I think he's going to have an amazing game. He's going to drop 50 points, probably a double-double with a couple assists when they have everybody on the team quadruple teaming or whatever the Hornets are going to do to try to contain Luka. Going to get a bunch of assists, too, probably to Chris Stapps, because he's Chris Stapps is 7-3. You can't really miss him. Porzingis still isn't back. So who, who are they going to? Porzingis isn't back. Man, what, ha- what happened to Chris Stapps? I missed it. We talked about this on last week's show when you gave your pick. He's still not back. He's still not back. Okay. Hmm. Well, they have a bunch of guys that can step up. I don't know if they're going to share minutes and time on the court, but I think they have Jalen Brunson. I believe he can have a good night. Um, do they still have – oh, yeah, Boban. Another guy that's 7-3. Can't miss him. He's going to be standing in the paint. If he's going to get, you know, double, maybe even triple teamed by the guys on Charlotte, you're going to see Boban in the paint. And believe it or not, Boban being 7-3 is pretty hard to stop. So I'm going to say Luka, 50-point, 10 assists tonight. Awesome. And to wrap up our rich takes, we're actually going to move into our teams that went head-to-head last night. The Warriors-Pistons recap. Close game throughout. Your Pistons totally out-rebound the Warriors. I mean, the loss of Marquise Chris for the year definitely hurt their uh, front court ability to rebound, and Draymond still being absent isn't going to help. But Andrew Wiggins came alive. Andrew Wiggins came alive, had 17 points in the fourth quarter, and we, you, we were texting during the game last night, and I was just – I was blown away by Wiggins' ability to knock down shots. It, it was insane to me. I mean, the guy would just pull up from three, and bang, he looked like Curry. He looked like Curry last night in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it, it hurt to watch. I was watching the game. I'm like, I'm thinking, are we going to actually win a basketball game as the Detroit Pistons right now against Golden State? And my hopes and dreams got completely crushed by Andrew Wiggins, and I was very disappointed by watching the game because we were already dealing with Steph Curry, and apparently he cloned himself and turned into Andrew Wiggins, too. So you had, like, basically two Steph Currys out there, which is impossible to stop. Kelly Oubre, I witnessed it his first three of the season, and he made a shot that wasn't a dunk. That honestly really surprised me. 17.5% from the field, lowest in the shot clock era. And from this game... You know, it's been competitive, but for the Pistons, basically we're tank season. So basically, just just pain for the Pistons. We have such a tough schedule coming up. You know, the Pistons do. They have such a just a 
four games in a row against the Bucks and Celtics. That isn't really a good combo for winning basketball games. So I think it's going to be a very tough season for the Pistons, but we'll get another good pick. So what do you think about um, the Pistons as well as the Warriors from that game? Well, I'm going to start with the Warriors. And Steph is back. That's what I wanted to say to start it off. I mean, not that the Pistons have a good defensive backcourt. I mean, Derek is not capable of defending. DeLon Wright not capable of defending. And he's obviously going to work Killian Hayes, the rookie. Steph's back. Steph, Steph these past two games, has amped up the three-point shot. As we know, he had 105 three-pointers in a row in the gym. Couldn't make 106. Kind of blew it, according to Steve Kerr. But Curry's awesome. Curry looks happy. And, and he, like, we talk about how if there's one guy – in the NBA today that's going to play for the same team for his whole career, not demand a trade and not go through any of that BS, I think it's Steph Curry. And it's Steph Curry because he's happy. He's a team leader. He wants guys around him to be successful, and he brings all of those things to the table. Like you saw two nights ago on that game-winning shot by Damian Lee, the ball clearly should have gone to Steph. Watching that in the, those three seconds – to watch that inbound play unfold, I was like, how does Steph Curry not have the ball in his hands? We're going to start 0-3 and lose to the Chicago Bulls. Damian Lee clutched up. Steph Curry was the happiest guy out there, right? It's a team effort. Curry's a team player. And, look, the loss of Clay hurts them more than anything, and it may take them out of playoff contention. But to draft a guy like Wiseman, who's been the best rookie so far, I mean, he's going to have nights where he's not awesome. And he's going to have nights where he looks like one of the best centers in basketball. Having him to lead him is so big. You know, Andrew Wiggins, everything that that guy's gone through just with through the social media and all the comments that are made about him. Curry's leadership and guidance is huge. And Kelly Oubre, to play with a guy like that, I think in the slump that he's been in, shooting 17% from the field, which is the worst, like you said, in the shot clock era, it's massive and it's because of Steph. And he, he brings that. Now for your Pistons. I'm going to be quick. Funny team to watch, right? Funny team. And that's not me crapping on your team. It's just the way they were aggressive in free agency this offseason wasn't a way I would have gone about it. I like the Jeremy Grant signing. And I actually like Mason Plumley as a player. But they, like, dial up these plays for Plumley like he's this franchise guy, if that makes sense, where they're feeding yeah. him the paint, and if it's not there, they're kicking it out to Sadiq Bey, who I actually think is awesome. I love Sadiq Bey. Yes, he's, Sadiq, he's such a good three-point shooter. But it's just, I guess, weird how they run their offense. They're relying on Derrick Rose for three-point shots, and I don't like that. I think Blake Griffin coming out as he got elbowed and left the game, I think that was a big part of them losing, but – I feel bad for Blake. That That's just my initial thoughts on the Pistons. Yeah, honestly, for us, Killian Hayes has been kind of on and off this season. I don't think he even scored. He went out with a sprained ankle. Absolutely wish he returns. You know, I'm very excited for Killian Hayes still. Struggling for the first part of the season, but that's what happens with, you know, international point guards from France. I'm sorry, Knicks fans. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but yeah, but – I just said, yeah, but, like, three times, besides the point. Really hope Killian Hayes comes back better than ever. You know, I love Sadiq Bey. I love our team. You know, Jeremy Grant's amazing. Josh Jackson just came in, and he, he might be a sleeper most improved player candidate, along with Jeremy Grant. Jackson's awesome, and he had, a 20, I think, a 27-point game the other night. 
Yeah, Josh Jackson has been sweet for us this year. Just can't get it done in the clutch. All four of our games have been close, but we just couldn't get it done in the clutch, and we couldn't. First game against the Timberwolves, winning all game, blew the lead. Cavs lost in double overtime. The Hawks, we were neck and neck the whole game. They pulled away at the end. Same with Golden State. Two very similar two similar teams, Atlanta and Golden State this year, if, if you really think about it in terms of being led by a point guard who can shoot the ball. That's, so basically for the Pistons, I think we had four shots to start our season right this year. Couldn't capitalize on any of them. As for the Warriors, this was definitely – they've had two very, very points in the season which will help them a lot. Damian Lee's game winner. Their win this year just to get their confidence up for games in the future. Lost Clay Thompson, so not going to win a championship. But that will definitely help them out in getting some more wins in the season now that they have some confidence built up. And besides this Warriors-Pistons game, that unless you're a Warriors slash Pistons fan, you're not really interested. And we're going to go to part three of a series about the James Harden dilemma. Now, you have the Rockets and the Trailblazers they played, and the Rockets just couldn't – they couldn't get away from them. They lost double overtime like the Pistons did to the Cavs. Houston's defense is, like, one of the most terrific things of all time. Like, you have James Harden on your team who this – segment is about who currently is averaging 39 points a game 12 and a half assists five rebounds is the most 40 point double doubles ever just added the trailblazers and the celtics to his list of preferred destinations to go to after losing the point he lost to portland in double ot so that's kind of ironic so just having a guy putting up that stat line and just losing just shows how awful your defense is so what 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 are your um new thoughts on James Harden right now? I was so excited to talk about this this week. You have no idea. I love the Harden dilemma. I love the series we're doing. I love talking about this guy. So obviously, like you said, they couldn't beat the Blazers in double OT. Big, big, big loss for them. That was their season opener because uh, the Thunder game got canceled because of COVID. But like you said, their defense is so bad. It's just so bad. I like – I, I hope – my hope is that when John Wall and Boogie return, it gets squared away, it looks better, but it right, as of right now, it just doesn't. They don't look good. They don't look like a good basketball team, and they don't look like a team that wants to play together simply because of Harden. The stats are there with him, obviously. He's a big guy now. He's a big boy. Um, obviously, he's been training a lot in Las Vegas. But he added Portland and Boston to his preferred destination list. And that's what I want to talk about. And it just seems like right now, the guy, he's given up on trying to be a Sixer and a Brooklyn Net. I think it's just about him getting out now and going to a team that can contend. I don't think Boston buys in because I think you'd have to give up Jalen Brown. And if I'm the Celtics, I really don't want to do that because Jalen Brown has only gotten better. He's one of the best scorers in the league. I think he's the – he's. I mean, he and Tatum can go head-to-head. I think he's edged out Tatum this year thus far. All-NBA all NBA defensive guy, excuse me, borderline all-star. It's there with Jalen Brown, so I really like him. And with Portland, I just don't think they want to uh, give up C.J. McCollum. And I think that's what they'd have to give up. I don't see them wanting to do it because you have a culture there in Portland. You have a team. That's Dame's right-hand man. You know what I mean? That, they're an awesome backcourt, and although Harden's a better player than McCollum, for that locker room and going forward, I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either for either either team, but I can actually see 
Portland making the move and getting rid of CJ McCollum. Here's why, here's why. The Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum backcourt is amazing. Absolutely great. One of the best backcourts in the NBA for such a long time, for, for years back until now. They have not made the NBA finals with that backcourt. Mm-hmm. They have, they have, they've had some deep playoff runs, have not made that jump into the finals, barely made the playoffs last year in the bubble setting. I think if I'm Portland, they've been this good mediocre, if that makes sense, good mediocre mm-hmm. team yeah. for so long that they almost make a move for James Harden just to try and see if it works and try to see if they can make that jump. Because with Lillard and McCollum, they're going to max get the five seed. I don't see him making top four. I see him at five seed the most. They're not going to get anywhere with that. The only way you get anywhere is by making moves. And CJ McCollum and Lillard are obviously getting older. They're not going to get any younger. Now neither is James Harden. But James Harden is a better player than CJ McCollum. Isn't close. I don't know how well Lillard and Harden work together like Lillard and McCollum do. But you almost just have to risk it and see. And if it doesn't work, that sucks. You try to make moves in the future and you try to make it work. If it doesn't, whatever, you're in the same spot you've been. The, you might as well just take a risk because what do the Trailblazers have to lose at this point? They're not going to make the finals. They're not going to make a deep playoff run right now, and they're not going to get anywhere. So you might as well make a move for Harden and try to get somewhere where you still have a prime Damian Lillard that in a couple years is going to start regressing. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it'll be interesting to see. So that was the Harden dilemma part three. I hope this series continues. I hope Harden gives more to the media, you know, more 40-point games, more uh, trips to the strip clubs in different cities, more workouts in Las Vegas, and more partying. So moving on for our final segment, we're going to give our primetime picks. We're both 1-1 one one on the year starting last week. Tatum killed us. We could have been 2-0 and on that last second bank he had against the Bucs. And like we both called it, the Suns would blow out the Mavs in primetime. We're going to give three games tonight, and we're going to start with the Nets versus the Hawks. I think for the Nets and the Hawks, I'm going to go ahead, take Brooklyn here. You can try to make a hot take and say Atlanta's going to win this game, but Kyrie and KD are going to absolutely torch Atlanta's defense so bad it's not even funny. I can see the Nets putting up 145 points this game just (laughs) because and winning 145 to 132. That's honestly not – that's super high scoring, but considering you have, like – the Hawks with horrid defense, but then they also have Trey Young and John Collins on the other hand are going to score. I can see the Nets winning by like mid double digits and just a super high scoring game. That'll be fun to watch. And I'm, and I don't hate the Hawks at all. I actually like their young team and I like what they're doing, but I, I just can't stand this. I can't stand when you start the year and a, a team like the Hawks are three and and they think they're hot and they're all this. They're going to sneak into the playoffs I hope Katie and Kyrie both put up 30 tonight and, and just call it what it is. You know, Chris Dunn's now playing tonight for the Hawks, so that'll hurt them defensively. Trey Young's not going to keep up with Kyrie, and I, I don't see, you know, John Collins or DeAndre Hunter doing any damage to Kevin Durant's jump shot. So I like the Nets, too. You want to see Hot Lana turn into not Lana. <laughs> <laughs> and the next game we're going to get into is the Heat and the Bucks. Now, he got obliterated last night without Jimmy Butler. Don't have Jimmy Butler again. Same thing's going to happen. Now, I don't think the Bucks are going to make 29 threes again, but I think they're going to win in a different way. That different way is Giannis Antetokounmpo, back-to-back reigning MVP. He's going to absolutely kill Miami this game without Jimmy Butler again. I see the Bucks by 20-plus tonight. 
Wow. So 20 plus is a lot, you know, that's, that's a big margin, especially after last night, you'd hope that as good of a coach as Eric Spolstra is, they took that film session today. They took that walkthrough to really hammer things down and what to expect, but you got to give credit where it's due to Milwaukee and Mike Budenholzer and don't think that he's going to adjust and still do what he needs to to win. I don't know if it's by 20. I like, um, you know, a 10 plus point game, maybe in that range. I think 20 is a lot just because the Heat are still a very good team. But I agree. I like the Bucks again tonight. I like them too. The final game, we're going to have a bonus primetime pick tonight. We have three games this week. And the third game is going to be the Clippers and the Blazers. Who are you going to take for this one? Uh, I got to go with the Clippers because Kawhi's back tonight. You know, I look, I, I hope they get back on the right track. Kawhi adds the scoring element they need. And I think it takes a lot of weight off of Paul George's shoulders when he could be the second option. Uh, the bench scoring is still there for them. Marcus Morris is still out. So they, I mean, we know Marcus Morris is definitely a better option than Nick Batum, as any NBA, NBA fan would think. They're still missing Zach Collins and Nasir Little uh, for that bench unit. And, you know, I actually think Portland can keep this close, but I'm going to go with the Clippers. I'm going to actually take Portland because wow. they just they just beat the Lakers, right? And now the Clippers just got blown out. Now they're just getting Kawhi back, meaning they're going to have to readjust. And I think they're, the Clippers are going to have a great second half. I think they're going to beat the Blazers in the second half by about like 8 to 12 points around that margin. The Clippers are still going to spend that whole entire one and a half quarters, the first one and a half quarters of the game, trying to readjust and get their mind off that 51-point loss that we mentioned earlier. And I think that's what's going to kill the Clippers tonight. I think they're going to play a solid game from then on. I think they're going to struggle early, though. And I think the Trailblazers are going to take advantage of that. Lillard and McCollum are going to do so. So I think just psychologically, the Clippers are still going to be affected for a little bit. Now, even though Kawhi is back to lead them on the court, which they most desperately need, it's going to be a close game. Probably less than six points, but I'm going to go ahead and take Portland narrowly. Got it. That's your primetime picks, and that'll do it for today's show. I'm Shane Rich, joined by my co-host, Richard Duma. Richard, it was awesome doing it for you, uh, doing this again with you. Guys, have a happy and safe new year. We're looking forward to get back in 2021. Yeah, for sure. I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. I hope everybody has a Happy New Year. 2021's coming, another calendar year of basketball. And we'll see you guys next time on the Rich Take Show. See ya.